Hi, and welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, I was on site at the Virginia Revolution Sportsplex in Leesburg, Virginia for the Future Tribe ID Clinic. I recorded the three question and answer sessions with the prospects and coaches. In the first portion, Marsha Lykin, the associate head coach at the College of William Mary. In the second section, Shenandoah University head women's soccer coach Elizabeth Pike fields questions. And in the final part, William & Mary head coach Julie Shackford talks with the prospects. There were many great questions from the student-athletes and a ton of information as a result. Thank you to Shacks for allowing me to be a part of the clinic. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. So if you're going to ask a question, if I could just get my phone close to you and then close to Marsha up front, then... Yeah, um, so maybe raise your hand if you want to yeah. ask something. Here we go. Go. Um, what would be the best first step to take to reach out to a college that you want to go to? Good question. Um, I think that depends upon what year you are and, and how the recruiting rules um, dictate, you know, what the communication is. What, what grade are you in? 11th. Okay. So for, so in 11th grade, um, well, why don't we start here? I assume probably not all of you know all of the recruiting timelines in terms of coach communication. So let me just start there. Um, so NCAA regulates communication that can occur between coaches and athletes. Um, we are not allowed to have any in-person communication with a student athlete until June 15th after sophomore year in high school. So up until that point, the way to get in touch with coaches is to email them. The kind of humorous thing about that is we're not allowed to email back. <laughs> I mean, you might get emails back from coaches, but they're kind of generic emails. We are not really allowed to email back anything specific like, oh, well, thanks for emailing us. Loved your email. We're going to see you if you are younger than that June 15th um, rising junior. So, but, but it's important to get on the radar. So there's nothing wrong with emailing coaches whenever you want up until that point. And you just understand that if you don't hear back, they're not being rude. We're just limited. Um, so to answer your question, I would say the best way to contact before June 15th, rising junior year, is by email. After that point, um, you're allowed to have open communication pretty freely. Coaches can call you, you can call coaches. Um, so 
you know, there's nothing wrong with calling coaches. Uh, we get phone calls all the time. Do we always return calls? No. And, and again, don't take personal offense to that. We're inundated with a lot of recruits, but you know, if you really want to get a coach's attention at your top school, um, you're certainly allowed to, to call them and, and leave a voicemail. Um, email, I think, is probably the preferred method, at least in the early stages. It what, it's what kind of gets you on our radar. Um, when we go to showcases, we go through all those emails that you send us. We come up with a master showcase list. That's like takes almost a physics degree to, <laughs> to get all the pieces to work out with hundreds of kids that we're trying to see. Um, once we are, I would say, in communication with recruits um, regularly, you know, maybe we saw someone and we like them and we've talked to them, then texting is, becomes an option too. Um, again, you can text coaches after that June 15th date, but you know, if, I, if you saw the text on my phone, you would understand why you don't always hear back as well. I, I will say the most important thing to remember is don't take no answer as a no, because we are so inundated with emails and texts and calls that sometimes we just can't get to all of them. Sometimes we might not notice it. Sometimes we might overlook it. You know, I'll get a text even from someone we're really interested in, and three weeks later, I'm like, oh, I forgot to get back to them. So, um, you know, don't, definitely don't take no response as, as like a negative thing, for sure. You have to be persistent. Great question, and that's a big, a big piece of the process is the communication. What year do you start like, looking at recruits? Um, another good question. Um, I would say sophomore year is when we start looking really seriously. Not to say we don't look at freshmen, um, but it just again becomes like a time constraint when we're going to showcases if we have to prioritize and we have hundreds of kids to see. We're gonna look at, you know, sort of like the next class coming up. Um, we, right now, are actively recruiting 25s and then also starting to look at our 26s pretty seriously. And that, I would say that's the case probably for, you know, for most schools. There might be some schools that are completely done with their 25s, but you know, I think most programs are probably somewhere in the process. You know, we have committed a couple of 25s, but we're still in the process actively of our 25s, which are juniors. How many players do you bring in in each class? That's a great question. Really good question. Um, I would say on average, six to eight. Um, you know, the college rosters, if you guys have done your homework, and, and it's a great thing to do when you're looking at schools is going to look at how many are on the roster, because there's some schools that just historically keep way larger rosters than others. You know, I know schools that seem to always have upwards of 36, 38 on there, which I think is quite a lot to manage. Um, our roster, ideally, we would like to be probably around 30, and that sounds like a lot to you guys coming off a of club and, and high school teams, but the reality is if you have a goalkeeper squad of maybe four, you're down to 26 field players. You always have a whole handful that are hurt long-term, <laughs> then you have a whole handful that are hurt short-term, so it's hard to consistently be able to train full field with less than that many in your roster. And even then, we found ourselves in a situation where we might be one short on a certain day if people are sick and things like that. Um, so, you know, if you divide 30 by four, you know, you get around seven to eight, right? So 
Uh, we've, we've got nine coming in this year, which is a big class for us for 24s, but a big class is graduating, so you're always kind of looking at that too if you're replacing a lot. Um, our 25s will be smaller because we're kind of trying to balance that. And, and certainly COVID made everybody's roster explode because everyone since 2020 has had an extra year of eligibility. So that's why people's rosters are, you know, our roster last year was 33 and we had three 50 years on there who were staying for their extra COVID year. So we would have been at 30 if, if not for that. And this coming fall is going to be the same. Um, and then this coming fall will be the last the last class that had that extra year, so things will kind of start getting back down to normal. Thank goodness. <laughs> What's like one thing that, like looking at a player makes you stand out, and one thing that like maybe pushes you away from a player? That's a really good question, and we get that all the time. Um, you know, we've, we've been back at William & Mary for five or six years, and I think probably five or six years ago, my answer would have been a little bit different than it is now, because you'll come up with all different things. Oh, you want this, and you want this. And what I finally just settled on, at least for me personally, is I like to see players that compete. And we all know what that means. That's that person on your team that there's no chance of them getting a ball that's going out of bounds, and they are running it down 90 miles an hour anyway, and they might actually get there, and then they go into a slide tackle to keep it from going out, even in practice, in, in just playing a possession in a grid. Um, you know, the player who loses the ball and just looks so angry, they turn around and run the person down 40 yards to recover the ball back. That's what I look like, because I think basically that translates to a mindset that is something that you can't really teach. It's something you're born with, and those mindsets tend to do really well at the next level, um, because it's a big jump. It's a huge, huge, huge jump at the next level, bigger than you guys even know. And um, the players that have that mindset, I think, are the ones who tend to have the most success in dealing with all the, all the challenges that come at the next level. You know, the increased competitiveness, the, um, the grind of the schedule, the mentality of not playing as much as you're used to because everybody coming into college is like going to start their team. So that's personally, that's what I look for is that, that super, super competitive mindset among, among other things. They, you know, obviously they have to, they have to check all our boxes and technical, tactical and all that. Um, what do we write off right away? Um, I think it would kind of be the opposite of that. And, and again, a lot of things like, there's a lot of players we see that we just know aren't good enough for, them, for our team or for the next level um, for a variety of technical, tactical, physical reasons. But I think the biggest intangible would be like the opposite of that competes thing because I think we've written off players who are very, very good soccer players and have high IQs and they're very technical, but they just don't play with any passion. And, you know, when I see those players, especially in your generation that plays so much soccer and understandably get so burnt out, um, I tend to think they're, they're kind of done. They're, they're doing this because their parents are driving them every day. They're doing it because they like the social aspect of it. Um, they, they don't look like they really, really love it. And to succeed at the next level, in addition to having that competitive mindset, you have to really, really, really love it. And that's something all of you guys need to ask yourselves going into college because, because it's a lot. It's a lot. And if, if you're not willing to sacrifice like part of your social life and part of your academics and 
and just part of your everyday life for soccer. If you don't love it that much, then it's probably not going to work out for you. Because as big as a, a commitment as you guys all have now, and traveling around the country, and going to practice all these nights a week, so many people think, I, I just need to commit, you know, I just need to get there, and I've done it, I, I, I made it, and it's kind of the opposite, it's like just the beginning. And now, you take everything you've done, and you multiply it times 10, and that's your commitment at the next level. And, and it's not for everybody, and that's fine, right? It's, you know, everybody has to, has to make that decision for themselves, but. That's, that's what I would say. Hopefully Ron answered your question in a long, rambling way. <laughs> um, so you talked about emails. What would be a good thing to say in an email, like as a, like a freshman or something? That can't that's a good question. Um, and I'll give you a little bit of an unorthodox answer because I would say 90% of the emails we get sound exactly the same. Dear Coach Lichen, Coach Hackford, Coach Isola, my name is blah blah blah, I have a 4.5, I'm valedictorian, I'm this and that, and this and that, and then they, they might mention soccer like four sentences down, and if I, don't, if I don't hear about their soccer in the first two sentences, I start to lose interest, because we're soccer coaches, right? And, and William and Mary is William and Mary, I went to William and Mary, and I'm very proud of the education it gave me, but... Um, you know, by and large, almost all the players writing to us are, are very accomplished academics and, and, and are going to be able to get in with the help of soccer. But we want to hear what sets you out and apart on the soccer field, um, number one. Number two, put something different in your emails. Like, believe it or not, the emails that I open are the ones that have these preposterous subjects. You know, I'm, I'm the next best player that's ever gone to William Mary. We'll get ones like that, and when I see that, I go, well, who is this? Let me see what this person is all about that just, that just wrote that in an email, or, you know, I'm, I'm your next star forward, or I want to play the national team. It's not just, you know, Susie Smith, class of 2025, forward, Fairfax Brady. You know, it's, it's the ones, and, it's, and it's, it's merely just because we're getting so many. Like, before the Tennessee showcase, I probably had 350 emails. And then the schedule got changed, and every one of those 350 girls wrote me three times over the weekend. So I got another thousand that I never looked at. <laughs> so yeah, you have to kind of do something that, to make your stand out and, and make it sort of like an attention grabber. And, and also, make sure you put your year, make sure you put number, make sure you put who you play for, and it's very helpful to put your coach, because when we get emails, we send every single coach an evaluation on that player. It's gonna help us say, should we be interested in this person or not? And I would say at least half the girls that email us don't tell us who their coach is, don't give us their email. Um, but that's kind of, before we can talk to you, we can talk to your coach, so that's, you should be including all those things in the email. and you'd be. So surprised at the number we get that don't tell us what number they are, don't tell us what position they are. <laughs> and when we're looking at 300 and I'm trying to put together the schedule, guess which ones I just get annoyed with at 1 a.m. in the morning and delete. <laughs> that's, that's just the, the reality of it. What else? Good questions, you guys. Um, I know that soccer is obviously the biggest part, but um, I know that grades matter too. Yep. As a, you know, obviously William Mary is like high academic. Um, at a college like this, would you guys like 
what's more attractive to you guys, like a really good GPA or like taking hard classes and maybe getting Bs? That's a really good question too, and that um, that's you know something our admissions committee is going to assess more more than us. But I think um, I think it's probably they definitely want to see like a college curriculum, so. Um, they would probably look more favorably on someone who is taking honors and AP courses or dual enrollment and getting, you know, Bs, hopefully the occasional A, than someone who's not challenging themselves at all. Because when it comes down to it, you know, all, all, the, all the girls on our team, they're not all, like, genius kids that would have gotten into them there on their own. Most of them wouldn't have gotten in without the, the help of us. Um, however, like they're a very similar profile. They're all really hard workers, and you know, hard hard worker is usually defined by somebody who's challenging themselves and taking those harder classes. And they're just going to prepare you better for for the rigors of, of a school like Blue Mary too, and, and really any college at the next level. So, so yeah, for sure, make sure if you're looking at those those higher academic colleges, you want to be taking the more challenging courses in. In high school. It doesn't mean you have to take six AP classes, but make sure you're taking at least a couple. Um, what role does confidence play in the recruitment process, and what do you suggest to a player that um, loses their confidence or is losing their confidence? That's a really good question, and man, that's something we deal with a lot in our on our college team right now. And you know, we've noticed more and more. Um, not quite sure what the reason is, but um, it seems to be an issue, like a, a very big theme among young women. And I mean, it's, it's tough. I, I don't really know how to answer that because confidence is such a, it's sort of such an internal, innate thing. Um, I will say that I often get the question about high school soccer and because a lot of club coaches will tell you you shouldn't play high school soccer, you get bad habits, and you guys come out of high school and we have to you know, retrain you, and I, I think that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> and, I, and, and the reason I always say is because I think you know, the, the players who are playing year-round and playing club are typically the best players on high school teams, even you know, sometimes as freshmen and sophomores, right? And that's usually the environment where your confidence grows and you develop really good leadership qualities. And my personal opinion is that what you gain in confidence and leadership on the high school team um, far outweighs the technical development you're getting under your club like for a couple months out of the year. You know, or missing out on, I should say, if you're foregoing a couple months of club to play high school. So I, I think the high school environment is a great place to build confidence because it lets you guys kind of emerge as leaders and it's a less competitive environment. Um, you know, a lot of schools do have sports performance psychologists, us included, as part of the athletics department and they do a lot of work. We have ours come in and do work um, with the whole team on issues such as confidence and, um, and then players go to them individually as well. So there's certainly resources and tools and things like that that you can, you can use to help, help build that. Um, not for our school. Nope, nothing. I, I know that's not the case everywhere. You know, certain schools and 
certain majors like nursing, I think, become really, really tough to do as a Division One athlete, you know, in general, just because you get to a point where you have to do clinical work, I think, in the spring. And um, but, but in terms of uh, us, we don't, no, we don't have any majors that are off limits at all. Some of them are more challenging than others, for sure. But I think it work. What are like the most popular majors? Um, I would say business and kinesiology right now, which is, kinesiology is like, you know, the study of, of movement, it's a science, it, it's sort of the science major for anyone who wants to go into um, any of the health science industry, you know, we've got people who aspire to go to PT school or med school or um, occupational therapy and it seems like, and you can major in really any science and as long as you do your prerequisites for those programs, but it seems like a lot of them do the, the kinetics majors as their foundation for the science. Those are great questions, guys. Wow. That sets a good precedent. Yeah. <laughs> um, how long have we been in here? I should have put the timer. I would say... So you're learning, you're doing those things. All of this is the 
of you are eighth graders? Okay, you guys are just having fun right now. Yes, ninth graders? Okay, this is where your grades start to matter, where you need to start focusing in academically, right? Okay, 10th grade. This is where it really starts for you guys. Now you're really in the recruitment process. 10th grade, ninth grade, you can start looking at schools. When you go on tournaments, you go visit schools. 10th grade, now is when you start reaching out. Right, here I am, here's my number, here's my field, and this is where you're starting to really reach out to coaches, getting on campuses. Okay, and that's kind of how you communicate with coaches. We're all about building relationships. So we want to know who you are. You never want to burn a bridge. You never, if a coach reaches out to you, and it's like, hey, I saw you were green, and you don't like that school. Why do you not want to burn a bridge there? Bingo. Did you just hear where Coach Shackford was? She was at Carnegie Mellon. She's been at Princeton. Now she's at Wayne Mac. Coaches sometimes move around, and we all remember things. So you always want to, if it isn't a school, it's a great though to send an email like, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm looking into, right now, my dream is Division One. say a D3 coach in Utah, or hey, I'm just starting the process, I'll keep you in mind, and I'll keep communicating until maybe you know for sure, right? These things are all great. Um, you just want to make sure that you are, when you're communicating, and you're sending out emails, you're saying the right school with the right coach, just do a little bit of research. It's pretty easy, right? How to write an email. How many of you have been like, your coaches are kind of showing you or giving you like drafts of how to do that. Some of you. So it doesn't always have to be super formal, right? We get these, a lot of these emails and they're just pretty much these copy paste. Do you, would you want a coach to copy paste you where you're like, oh, she just changed the name and it's the same thing? You would know that, right? Do you know what I mean when I say copy paste? Those generic emails? You want to make it pretty personal. How do coaches remember you? Hey coach, I was on your campus. I saw that your record is this. Like do a little homework where they're like, whoa. Hey coach, I saw you also play that way in there. I see you're in the Hall of Fame. Like these are such easy things that would take you maybe two minutes to find out about different, and it goes a long way. Because then coach is like, oh, this one, put in the homework. I know your school has a great physical therapy program. Oh, okay, it's in homework. They at least know some program to study here. So personalize it. It doesn't take long to add a few little things, right, in there. Okay, hour schedule and year round. That also plays into D1 to D3, right? So for me, right, D1, just kind of giving you an idea, I wanted it to be year-round. I love soccer. I love playing. So D1, what is, it's just, it's just a little bit more of a commitment, right? It goes year-round. You're with your coach a lot more. Where at D3, there's a little bit, at D2, you have a little bit of an off-season. 
That doesn't mean you're still not putting in the work and there's expectations, but there's a little, a little bit of a break where maybe you're not seeing that so much with the division one schedule, where it's a little bit more intense, right? Okay. Um, size location, we talked about that. When you're looking at schools, you just gotta be honest with yourself. First of all, all coaches want somebody there for their program to study. You're not, it's very rare that you're gonna go pro. Percentage of players from D1 going pro or slim. So, with that being said, you gotta find a school, as you guys figure this out, like, what is it you wanna study? Right? What is your program of study? What does that look like? If you were to get hurt, do you still love the school that you, you picked, right? That's really important. And something like size, size of school. Do you want small classrooms? Is that going to be better for you academically? Are you fine being in auditoriums with great big, you know, where do you want the professor to know your name? Like all of these things you guys got to start to figure out and Learn about yourself, like, yeah, that would be more what I want. Right? So, you guys following me? All right, jump in if you have me. All right. Um, watch local college games. So, you guys are kind of in an area where there, there's an opportunity for you guys. You've got, right, George Mason. You've got an American. You've got GW. You've got a Howard. You've got tons of colleges, Georgetown. You've got at all different levels, James Madison, who had a great year. You have all these great schools within an hour, right, of you. So you can easily get in the car, look at the schedule, and go check out a game. You would be shocked. Listen, people in their head are like, this is where I want to go to school. But you've never even seen them play. You've never seen them play. When you go and you're watching the game, can you see yourself playing? Can you see yourself in there? Right? And you can do that with different levels. Right? There's, there's D2 schools down the road. Right? There's D3 schools. Check out all divisions and see, can you see yourself playing there? What does that level look like to you? And you've got to just be very realistic in that. If it is a good fit for you. Everybody wants what everybody wants, but it's not always the right fit for you, right? Okay? I mean, right now, I think we're up to something crazy in the transfer portal. Right? Do you know what that is? So the transfer portals, the kids, girls, guys that go to schools, and within a year, they're looking elsewhere. Why is that? Maybe, I mean, there's lots of reasons. But a big one is they didn't do their homework right away. Maybe they're not seeking, seeing the play time. So do the homework in the beginning. Find a school that fits for you, right? Um, use your club coaches. We've all been around for so long, right? So coach like Shaq or myself, we, we all have relationships. We know the club scene and we know a lot of the coaches. So you can easily, especially for D1, where the communication can't maybe be how you want it, where you would say to your club coach, can you get in touch with so-and-so? And your club coaches use that. Okay, then, right? Um, official, unofficial. So what's an 
artificial visit. Yeah. Just like going to see. Yeah, yeah. So I have a lot with girls. They'll be like, hey, coach, I drove through your camp this last weekend, and I liked what I saw. So I'd like to set something up a little more official. I'm like, that's great. Let's go. So you can do that where you get to go through campuses and, and you know, when you're on these showcases, a lot of people do that. Like, oh, we're near the school. Let's just take a peek and drive through and see. Um, because you can tell a lot. Sometimes you think something and then you get onto the campus, you're like, wait, this isn't what I thought. Keep driving. Or, or the other way, you're like, hold on, I had no idea. This is great. I really didn't know much about it. Now I want to do an official, right? So that's kind of, although with D1, there's only so many official visits that you can do as well, right? Um, da 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 da. What's the staff like? What does that mean to you when you see that question? What does that look like? What, what does that mean? What's the staff look like? Come on. What does that question mean? I didn't put it up there. I'm looking. What does it mean? Yeah. Sure. I think more so the coaches. What are the coaches like? Who is he? And what style of coaching do you want to play for? Like, what does that look like to you? And do you care? There aren't many Coach Julie's out there or Coach Mia. And what does that mean when I say that? Who knows? Women. There's not a lot of us out there. Right? Does that matter to you? Is that important to you? Do you want to play for a female coach? Do you care? Is it more about the school? I don't care what the coach is like. Figure that stuff out for yourselves, right? Also, what is the style of coaching? Is it, is it in your face, direct? Is it more, all right, let's go? What is that? To that point, what is the culture of the team like? Right? Who's running the show? What does it look like? And you can ask those questions. And when you get into the recruiting process and you have official visits, we love it. I'm telling you. We love it when you have questions. Right now, for we are in the midst right now, at least for Division we're on phone, we do phone calls. I eight calls today. Let me tell you, when I say, before I give my brain, what are your questions? And I get, oh, I'm having right now. I can tell you that conversation ends very quickly. And I'm no longer really interested. Okay? Because at that point, you set up a call. You knew you were going to have a call with a coach, right? So that's your chance. That's your chance. Coach, what's your style of coaching? What's your roster size? How many do you look to bring in? Um, you can give scenarios, because you all have been playing. Coach, um, I, I miss practice for class. What does that look like to you? You know, I mean, college is a little different. Or, you know, I'm injured. Well, how do your injured players fit into your program? You guys have to start thinking of these questions. Do your girls room together? Do they not room together? How's the day with them academically? What are the majority of your girls studying? These are questions you've got to start coming up with things that matter. 
And I know a lot of you guys are still like eighth, ninth grade, but for you, 10th and 10th graders, do I have any juniors in here? All right, y'all, y'all are actually, y'all are in it. Y'all 25s are in it, right? I mean, really in it. Like right now, you should have been that. You should have started the campus visit. You should, you know, right? All of that good stuff. You're getting ready now to be able to have the conversations. So get ready, right? Okay. All right. Um, I think these were these are great. Does, questions, again, I didn't put them up here. Is there anything in here that you guys think, oh, can you expand on that? Can you go into that? Yeah. Yeah. So you never want to shoot yourself in the foot, okay? Grades are super important, especially now. I mean, because it's so competitive, right? And there are smart women everywhere. So, you know, I have this player here who has a 3.3, and this player with a 4.8, like now I don't even know what that means, but a 4.1, right? Similar player. Where am I going? I'm going to go with the one with the, the grades, most likely, right? Your grades are super important, so competitive, and especially. I mean, right now we have William and Mary here, but there are high academic schools. And if you're like, the coach is like, I love you, yes. You at least want that to be an opportunity, not, I love you, we love you, that's the school, my dreams. Uh-oh. You know, freshman year, yeah, then we do so hard, whatever it looks like, right? So we don't typically see that as an issue with the grades. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I've had a player that I was recruiting below a 36. I know that's crazy, isn't it? But that's kind of where we were a big health science school. So those are kind of, that's our, our, where we're at. But a lot of you just don't want to, you want to have that opportunity. And so, yeah, you've got to take yourself seriously in the classroom and care about it. And, and sometimes you don't know what you want to do, like for the rest of your life. I get that. But it's good to start looking at schools that are going to have programs like, ooh, that would be of interest. So when somebody, a coach says, well, what is your program of study? You can say, coach, I don't really know right now, but I see you have X, Y, and Z, and they are of interest to me. So I can see myself maybe going to that. So just having ideas, right? Okay, good. Anything else? Yeah. I mean, I don't go there, but. Yeah, so I can't answer for William and Mary. And again, to that point, as you know, Division One, they do have um, travel squads. And so, and Ross, they, they, they have a little bit more where they can only bring so many to travel. And I don't know with in-state, but again, to that point, they're the most wonderful thing for you all is that you guys have the internet. And you can go right on and be like, hey, I'm interested in JMU. And you go on, you go click roster. 
and you hear Roster, and I'm not saying, and everybody at JMU is an international player. I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm just giving you pretend. What does that tell you? Every player is an international player. That might tell you something. Oh, they recruit internationally. That's where their that's where their recruiting base is. Oh, full William and Mary. Whoa, 90% of their players are out of Virginia. That's great, right? And I'm not saying I don't know, but that is what you guys have the opportunity to do. Whoa, look at this school. This is a this is a national recruiting school. They've got kids from California, Florida, Georgia, you know, all Ohio, Texas. Wow, that's the schools in that, right? It just gives you an idea of, okay, this is their recruiting hub and these are the kids. And they even on there tell you where they're from. So you can see that. So that's a good way to, to look at schools and see kind of where they recruit at. Yeah, and you had something? Yeah. Um, what do you think would happen if we're that year? You mean, so you graduate high school, and you're like, I'm unsure what I want to do, I don't know. So what are you doing in that gap year? Uh, no, well, I, I guess that's just, the, what are you doing in that gap year, and what was the communication with some of the coaches that were talking to you in the recruiting process, or that you were speaking to? And were you transparent in that? Like, listen, I'm, I'm young for my age, I'm not really ready, I don't know what I want to do. I'm going to go to community college and I'm going to continue to play on my club team. So I'm actually, although I am a 2025 graduate, I'm actually not looking to go to college until 2026. I think it's just through communication. Um, I mean, I don't, I think it's just a coach's preference. And I think it's letting them know Actually, I'm not a 24, I'm a 25, but I'm still with my club. Or are you graduating, not playing club? That might be a little different, because coaches want to see that you're still playing, you're active, right? So yeah, I think it's just communicating that to that coach and seeing what that reaction. I think most coaches are like, oh, I'm not okay with it, we really want to do this year, or okay, we'll continue to watch you play for another year. Great, right? Yeah. What are things you guys are thinking about? This is a, yeah. Christian, though, what, what, um, what traits are you looking for in a player? Like, if you're, if you're allowed to answer that question, please. Yeah, I'm Division Three. I can do it. We have, <laughs> we have rules. We just think we don't. Um, so, you know, I, I guess, and we come from D1, and we understand D1. And, and I'm going to be honest, if somebody said to me when we were coming, D3, first of all, we probably would have said, what's D3? I couldn't have named the Division III school, okay? I had no idea. And then I probably would have been like, what's D3? They gotta be terrible. All we were when we were coming up was UNC. We were the big, we were the pedophiles. That's what was in our brains, okay? But it was different back then. Right now, these, which, I mean, so the competition crazy. is ridiculous. We're at D3, I'm like, we're seeing the teams, the Johns Hopkins, the Carnegie Mellons, like the Washington and Lees, like 
They, they're full of Division I players, but they are coming in saying, you know, I want to play right away. The program has studied. There's many different reasons why you all choose the direction you choose. The difference is, like, Division One and Division Three. I'm telling you, as like a player, Division One is very. You know, you're going to school. Obviously, your academics are always very important. But you're like, as a player, you're just as much importance as your school. You know, you're like right up there, 100 percent on both, and it's very high drive. Division three is more your 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 schoolwork as a player. I'm talking because obviously schoolwork is first everywhere. Your your schoolwork is more important, and your soccer is important too. But the emphasis isn't so much like 100 percent, 100 percent. You know what I mean? Right. It's a little bit just you have a little bit less. You have more time for schoolwork. You know, it's a little bit. You're just like just the balance. It's the balance. It's a little bit different, but but it's yeah. great. It's you see the girls that you know because now times have changed. There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of different things, and and so it, it's nice for the division three programs to have a good balance with the girls, where it's like not so high drive. Now a lot of people are high drive. That's great, and that's a place like Wayne and Mary and all. They're high drive. It's it's constantly beaten into your head like all day long, where the division three is just a 25 minute, you know, like 25 percent less, but you have more for other stuff. Right. So that's kind of the world as a player between Division One and Division Three. But Division One, yeah. not a lot of time. We just said a little more intense early. Yeah. Right? You guys get that. Yeah. Are you going to figure out what, what moves you guys? Exactly. And to answer your question, I think all coaches, you know, we want great players because we all want to win. We're all crazy. We're all, we all want to win. We all want to win. Yeah. So we want those players. But the value, which sometimes you guys forget when you play some guys, Far exceeds the playing field. Right. Coach Shepard and, and Marsha, they play together. Look at them, they're coaching, they're best friends. The tribe, that they have a, I mean, they're together all the time. Colette, she went to NC State. Her player, her friends there, I mean, you're building relationships wherever you go. And so we want to see players that excel on the field, for sure. But what are you doing in the community? Like for us, we, we do a lot of service. We give back in our community quite a bit, and most universities do. Community service is huge at most colleges, right? So it's just really you having a, you know, understanding that we want well-rounded women, but everybody does. We want great on the field, great in the classroom, great in the community. You know, that's what we, we all want that. Um, and we just want women who love the game. You want to know why you gotta love it? Because there's gonna be days you hate it. Do you get what I'm saying? We all play, but our love for the game far exceeded those days where we're like, no, practice, Ugh, it's raining, we gotta go. Oh my God, I did not want to see Coach fight today. Right? We get all that. We've all been there. So if you don't love it, if you don't love it, it doesn't matter D1, 2, or 3. If you don't love it, I had a girl calling me the other day and she was like, Coach, I don't, you know, she was like, I don't, I, I don't want this to be like a job. And I had to say to her right away, 
No, 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 it's a job. It is, in fact, a job. And if you don't understand that, you don't find, I don't know where you're going to find that. Because it is a job. You have to be committed. And in the summertime, you have to commit when you're not there. You have to be put into work and ready for preseason. You get that? So it will be, no matter where, a job. Now, whether you're a part-timer, 20 hours a week, or a 40-hour a week, that might be the difference. Right? You get what you got where I was going with the look at. So, but it is work and you gotta commit to it, but you gotta love it. You gotta love it in your worst days. You gotta love it in the days that are tough and grimy and gritty and tired. That's when you really gotta love it. Right? We've all been there. So, I mean, we all played and we all had days where we were like, we wanted to kill our coach, or we want not or we were tired, or we didn't want to go to practice, or we had a crappy practice and got destroyed by our coach at practice, or we had a terrible game, or you missed a PK in front of everybody. Like, you guys know, but the resilience and the love for the game is where you're like, I'll be back tomorrow, I'll be back tomorrow, right? You get it? So you guys are all here on a cold December night, obviously, because you love playing, right? And if you always hold true to that, it should never be taken away. I hear girls like, well, my, my coach destroyed my confidence. I'm like, what? I mean, I played for Braddock Road, and we had a coach. We're not even going to go there. but. I mean, I was like, picture that. Somebody telling me I was crap, and now I'm like, you know, I'm crap. I was like, oh, I'm crap. Put me back in the game. Put me right. That's the attitude you got to have. Who had that attitude? Yeah. Okay. See, she's (laughs) (laughs) So again, you're the worst. Are you paying attention? Yeah, I have been until I had to answer an important text. Oh, she's an answer. Don't. Alright, well listen, do you guys have anything, I mean you're here because you love the game, you guys are starting the recruiting process, for you guys for 2025, you guys should be full in, you should start having conversations, phone, getting on campuses, yes, where are my juniors, where are the There's four of you, the rest of you are, you're right where you need to be. Look at you doing this smart thing, getting in front of coaches, playing. But now, start reaching out, start visiting campuses. Juniors, let's go, let's go, it's time. I mean, our timeline for our juniors is, our process is, we're on the phone with them, we've been watching them play, they have between now and April to get on every campus and in front of every coach they need to. By the end of April, I need to know where am I. Am I in your top, by that time you should be at top four, top four. Once you have that top four at the end of April, May, June, this is division three. May, June, you're getting back on the campuses. July, August, you're ready to make a decision. So if that's division three, and that's usually the 
top of Division Three, the more competitive schools, that's where we are. Where do you think D1 is right now for 25s? I don't know, not D1. Let's ask that question. But where do you think they are? If that's where I am, I'm going to have my entire 2025 recruiting class done by September 1st. So right before you start your senior year, I'm done. Where do you think Division One schools are right now? Come on, you're smart. I'm going to give you a little one more thing. Not here, it doesn't pertain to this. But if you go to it, how many of you have been to an ID camp? Okay. I'm going to say this. It's my opinion. It's almost very factual. If I have an Ivy camp and there's a player I want that shows up to my campus who I want, do I let them leave my campus? Do I say bye? Do you think they're getting off my campus without me talking to them? That would never happen. I can promise you, if a girl came to my ID and I wanted her, she would not leave my campus. So I'm saying this real quick for all of you good ID camps. I'm like, Abby, go. And nobody talk to you. And you don't hear anything within a week. That should tell you something. Do you understand that? You do? Okay, I get a lot of people who are like, you're like, great. I'm like, why? Did they talk to you? Did you hear from them? No. Okay. That's how I'm ending on that. That was my last day. All right. I could go through with this like, list, but does anyone have a question they want me to like, answer right off the top? It's kind of just like open-ended. It could be on this list or something else, too.
Um, do you have to play ECA now to like get into like a good college? No. No. Okay. If you're good, you're good. Yeah. We will find you. We don't like obviously ECA now and those kinds of platforms. You can see a lot of good kids at the same time, but um, you know our roster point like. We have ECNL, we have USYS, we have GA, we have, you know, independent clubs. So it really, if you feel like you're in an environment where you're getting better, you're getting good coaching, you like it, you're having fun, then most of the time you're in the right place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. Ask, ask questions. I mean, well, these are the kinds of things that I put up there that maybe would spark um, your interest in, in asking things. I can kind of go over like the in-season schedule, what that's kind of like, at least how it was for me and Mary. Um, say like during the fall season, you'll typically probably only take like four classes, <laughs> maybe five. You'll like take less classes and probably easier classes just because you'll be on the road. Um, you know, it's like obviously you want to like be on track and everything, but Probably in the spring you'll have like more classes then, and then in the fall it's always like a lighter load just so you can focus on soccer, work on like training, getting treatment done, things like that. Um, typically we take like class in the morning, um, and then just practice at like, two. Training at like two thirty to four. Yeah. So practice would always be like two thirty to four thirty. Some people would have class at five, so if needed you could go like rush off to class real quick. Um, but yeah, typically just be like, make sure all your classes are done by like 1.50. Like don't take a class at 2, knowing practice starts at like 2.30. And I think that was priority registration, right? Though. Yeah, I mean a lot of schools will have priority registration. It just depends where, where you're going. Um, but let's go back to like that schedule of being a college athlete. Like obviously it's different, you know, division 1, 2, or 3. But in season, most of the hours you put in are pretty similar. I always call it a 40 hour week because when you include going to the locker room, getting ready for practice, going to practice, maybe lifting after, um, that you're put, you, we're allowed to coach you 20 hours on the field, but with all that other stuff and travel, it's like a job. And I only say that because a lot of, a lot of people don't know what it's like to get in college. And you know, it's school and soccer, and there's not a whole lot of time for other stuff. Like certainly, once you get a hang of how that rhythm goes, we have kids in sororities and doing other things, but it's a huge commitment, huge. And you have to be passionate about it because 95% of it is not sexy, right? 95% of the time, you're lifting, you're doing fitness, you're in the off season, you're trying to get better, you're traveling, you're exhausted, 6 a.m. lifts. Like, you have to love it, right? It's got to be in your soul, you know? That doesn't mean you're going to love every day. Um, there's that quote, it's like, you can't always um, do what you love, but you have to love what you do. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? And I don't say that to scare you away, but a lot of people don't know, like, the demands of college soccer. And Renee makes a great point, like, you know, you might, if you want to play pro, great. But at some point, your degree has to mean something. And the reason I talk about this, grades matter, is because the higher your GPA and the more you challenge yourself in the classroom opens up doors to colleges that maybe you wouldn't have been able to look at. So I always say, use your 
soccer to get you into the best academic school that you can get into. Does that make sense? Like, we have the highest amount, I think, besides football, of players in the transfer portal. Not William and Mary, we don't have any, but um, school, a lot of young women make decisions without really knowing what they're getting into. And so it's very important to find the right fit. It shouldn't be a competition with you or your parents or other players, because ultimately it's your career. And it doesn't matter. When you're done with soccer, it doesn't matter if you played at North Carolina or Georgia or Shenandoah or the college in New Jersey. What matters is that you had a great time, you got to play your sport, it was the right fit for you competitively, and you walked out with a degree that's going to set you up for your life, right? And so, I mean, that, you know, a lot of you are very young, and, and you know, but I ask you to think about it. Um, in the context of what's going to happen after. And I think a lot of players get caught up in the whole recruiting thing and, you know, I got a visit here and a visit there, and, you know, and, and really it's about what's good for you and what's going to help you get to where you want to be to reach your goals. And there's so many levels and so many conferences, and there's a, there, how many people want to play in college? There's a fit for everybody. So everybody in this room will find a fit, which is cool. Because there's about 360 Division I teams, there's about 380 Division III teams, and Division II is like 100 and something. Division I, Division III schools are usually typically smaller schools, and you can have a life in Division III. So I have three kids of my own, and they all pick different levels, and I have one of my uh, daughters picked a Division III school, and they do stuff in the spring but it's not as much as Division One, So you can have a life, and you can do other things, but you're still committed to your sport, you know? Whereas Division One, there's even, there's all kinds of ranges. There's the Power Five schools, like the ACC, the SEC, um, Pac-12, Pac which is disappearing, but um, all those conferences, um, you know, they're big schools. They have a lot of money coming in from football and basketball, so it's bright lights and all that, right? And then there's mid-majors, you know, which is like that next step where William and Mary is, you know, the William and Mary's and the ECU. you know, ECUs and the Villanovas and schools like that kind of fit, the, the, the IVs, like that kind of, where you can play at a super high level, sometimes you can beat a pack or a power five team once in a while, um, but, you know, there's a little bit of different, and then there's even a lower level division once, you know, so there's a whole range in there. Um, I'll give you an example of the school, uh, Christopher Newport. How many people know Christopher Newport? They're like Division Three champions, and they could probably beat a lot of Division One schools. So, you know, not getting caught up in that as much as, you know, do I like the school? Is it in a city? Is it, you know, do I want to be in a residential area? Do I want a big school? Do I want a small school? Do I need to be in small classes? in big classes, you know what I mean? So there's so many things that you have to think about when you go through this process. Um, do you want to? Yeah, um, I could go into like, let's see, probably like the size and location of William Mary. So again, like kind of like a smaller school, 
and but it is like a decent size and in terms of like whether it's like the classes like there are like small classes but there's also like like small classes like there could be 20 people there could be like 50 people or there could be like a big lecture hall which is like maybe even like 150 to 200 so it kind of varies so it's nice to have like a blend there but yeah William Mary's kind of like smaller on the smaller side of things but I thought at least for me it was like a good fit with like the team like the culture just stepping on campus and everything. I know it's a bit different, William Mary versus, let's say, like Virginia Tech or like UNC. It's not the same in that sense, no, but I mean, I thought it was a good fit just with like, for me at least, like athletically and academically trying to find like the best school that would work out. Um, so I guess like at the end of the day, um, you can like weigh all those factors too and kind of like, I don't know, make, make a pro and cons list of what you think is like most important, at least for you, to succeed and move forward in the future too. Um, I'll say one more thing and we'll open it up. So the off-season is uh, really where you, to, we, we use that to develop our players individually. So the fall is very much like get organized for the next game because they come so fast. Um, so in the spring, we, we train every day. Um, we have six dates of competition. So we play six like games that don't count, like, but their chance to give our underclassmen playing time and we really focus on developing. We lift three times a week. Um, we do some futsal. Um, so we're still doing stuff every day. Um, but you guys ask some questions. Like, what are some thoughts that you have? Um, I was wondering if you'd go a little deeper into like the unofficial official visits. Right. Um, different schools do it differently. I use my official visits as a victory tour for the kids that have already committed and are coming. Um, unless I have a kid that's coming from far away that I know can't spend $800 on a flight. Basically, I do the same thing for officials and unofficials. I give you an overview of the program. So a lot of people will do unofficials like, you know, uh, when they're younger or use schools close by um, where you don't have to, you know, we're not paying for your visit, but we still give you access to everybody in our program. You get to go to class, get to hang with the team. You can stay overnight. We just don't pay for it. An official visit, um, is it, I don't even know if it's still five official visits. It used to be five official visits. I think it still is, but I think they might be changing that. Where you could have five paid visits to school. So like I would call up, say, hey Sally, we'd like you to come on an official visit, which means I'll pay for your hotel, your food, your entertainment, all that kind of stuff. So every coach uses them differently because we're so lo located so close to so many pockets and we, we do a lot of officials. Um, but like I said, if I have a kid who's like coming from California, I might end up paying for her. Um, and some of the schools like ours that don't have huge budgets, we have to do more unofficials. But we don't, those are just as important to us as officials. It's, it's almost the same thing for us. Um, when should you start like visiting? That's a great question too. You're in eighth grade, right? Um, I mean, it, it for you guys in this area, there's so many local, like you can go to George Mason, the GW, or, and they're all right here. Like, um, I, I mean, I would say freshman year, right? To at least get a, it's not like you're picking a school then, but take, take a walk around George Mason. Go to uh, George Washington, Georgetown. You have like four or five schools like literally right here in your backyard, you know? You could go see a game, and you can go on campus as many times as you want. Sometimes you go on campus, you're like, ugh. And then sometimes it like sings to you and we're like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? So I think that's a good question. I would say freshman year. 
Um, to do like unofficial visits at like William Mary, do you like email coaches or just in general? Like, who do you reach out to if you wanted to like get that, that experience? So if I'm asking a kid to come on an official, it's somebody that I'm interested in. But if somebody like if you call me up and say, you know, I want to come visit campus or talk to you, like we can do that too. You just can't do that till your junior year fall. So, good question. What's minimum GPA? I mean, it depends on the school, right? Well, like for, for our type of schools, like most of our kids are in the top 10% of their class, so you know, mostly A's, an occasional B. You know, if somebody has C in their freshman year, it's typically not used against you. You know what I mean? I found C when I graduated. <laughs> so this is a great story. <coughs> We're not really allowed to talk about William and Mary, but I do. Renee um, had to work on her SATs first of all because mm -hmm. we, you know. And she worked her butt off to get him there. And she ended up, so you had a, you, you had a C in high school? Uh, no, I was, oh, I was talking about college. Yeah, did you have any C's in high school? No, I know C's in high school. Yeah. But just, I was not that good at taking the ACT or SAT. But then the ACT, the first time I took the test was the first time I saw it. So I was like, well, this is kind of fast paced. And then for the SAT, I needed a higher score. I knew with like soccer, I could still, like that can help me get in. Uh, my GPA was good, but just my test scores weren't like up to par. So I had to take SAT class, and when Shaq's- I was joking for a year at SAT, and uh, she had to miss all these games. Yeah, just like, like we her SAT. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but ultimately she, she got herself in and she crushed it. Yeah. Like close to a 4-0. I mean, so, um, you know, another example of somebody who used her you know, academics was really good in the classroom and got herself to a to a high level academic institution. What else? Uh, what is your like off season and like breaks? Like how long are they? And are you able to like travel? Like, how long? Like yeah. Um, our break? Our breaks? Yeah. Like, so in the off season, we usually don't start till the end of January, and we get uh, like nine days for spring break, and then that's about it. But we, we pretty much are going all year round. Like some kids will go overseas, like for classes, but they'll usually do that in the summer term. We have like five week classes. Can you do that with soccer? Yeah, you can do it in the summer. We've had a lot of kids do like a June term somewhere. It's like a four mm -hmm. or five week class. Yeah. Yep. How many games do you guys play during your regular season? Yep. The NCAA allows us twenty games, and you can you can have a scrimmage or two, so you have eighteen games. Like next year, I think we have one scrimmage in 19 games, but 20 for Division One. I. I don't know what it is for, and then and then you have conference games on top of that if you make your conference tournament. I think Division Three might have a couple less. Um, when you're interested in a college, how often should you be emailing the coach? Like even though they can't respond, like how often should you be emailing? Yeah, I mean I think like before big tournaments is always a good idea. You know, and I think keep it clear and concise. Make sure in your subject line that you always have your name, your year, your club, um, so we can identify you. And then for the underclassmen, like we'll just put that stuff in the folders. Like we use a database where we have everybody in there. Um, but I would say before major tournaments, don't do anything the day before a tournament. That's like that's really annoying as a college coach because we spend so much time getting organized and then we'll have kids on the day of like emailing us. So four or five days out for a tournament, send a short email, you can attach a resume, your, your huddle or what you know, whatever clips you have. Um, yeah. 
Um, so like, say like you're going to an event, but like it's like kind of like you have to like fly or like drive a long way, but like you're looking for schools in the area, like how would you like tell them to like watch you? Cause like, they, I don't know if they would like go all the way down or return to Yeah, just email, you'd be surprised. Just email them and let them know. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or like generally, what majors do you recommend? Oh gosh, we have all. We do not deny any majors. So like, you can. The world is your oyster. Where we are, you can major in whatever you want. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people tend to do either like some sort of like health science. Like I did kinesiology and health science and minor in business. So I feel like a lot of people, at least I believe, really did business school. But honestly, whatever your major is. Just enjoy it because, like, for instance, I did kinesiology and health science, like, way your body moves, kind of like physical therapy, but I work in sales now. Right. It's like, that won't depict, if you don't want it to be your your career, like, it doesn't have to be. But just enjoy what you're studying. If, if you're at a liberal arts school, you know, and there's a ton of those type of schools, you can pretty much major in whatever you want. Like, I've had kids go to med school with English majors. Uh, you know, I think it's really kind of what what you feel um, strongly about. But we do have a lot in the business school and I think that's just this day and age and you know, people want to be more professional about what they're doing afterwards, you know. I was a government major and then I have a master's in public policy. And look at me. <laughs> um, can you get into detail about using club coaches? Yeah, I mean, this is hit or miss, I know, but my feeling is, you know, for the amount of money that you guys pay to be a part of a club system, that there ought to be somebody in your club that can guide you, okay? I always say the best coach you're ever going to have is yourself. And figuring out, like, what you're good at, what you need to work on, that, you always have to believe in yourself as a coach. You're always going to be your best coach. But your club coach ought to be able to give you some guidance about what level he or she thinks you can play at. You know, um, and it's always good to have you know maybe each schools above that and a couple below. Um, but how many people feel like their club coaches would be helpful with that? That's that's awesome. Um, and I think you know more and more that there are people getting involved um, to help you guys kind of understand the level that you can play at. Um, I was wondering if you kind of talk about the recruiting timeline and when. So when I guess you can be like, hey, we are really interested in you. Let's have a visit or start communication over phone yeah. instead of email and stuff like that. Yeah, we can talk to sophomores June 15th. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, we don't have an exact system because everyone's timelines are so different. And I'm not, I don't, like, say, like, I'm going to give you an offer today and I need to know by tomorrow. So it's very individual for me. Um, I think, like, yes, I would, I would, on June 15th, I'll call kids that I'm very interested in and um, try to get them to come in the fall for a visit or come to an ID camp. Um, but the process is so fluid. Like, if I went back to my 2000 or to my sophomore calls from June, I mean, half of those kids uh, either I'm not interested in or they're not interested in us. And then you kind of get this new group. And so it's constantly changing. Um, but yeah, I would normally just reach out and call somebody that I'm interested in and ask them for a visit or do a Zoom with them and their families. We do a lot of that. Yeah. What does dorm situation look like? Um, again, I'm not really allowed to talk about William and Mary, but so we have, um, you have to live in the dorms for your first two years. 
we have some very beautiful dorms and we have some very bad dorms. Um, there is a 10-year plan to get everything up to par, um, but most people are not choosing like elite academic institutions for their dorms. Like, they're, I mean, some of them are really nice and are redone. That's a big question now. But it's not the sexiest part of our school, I would say. Would you agree with that? Yeah. <laughs> um, how much do you think like Instagram and Twitter helps with recruiting? Um, like what for me, when I am interested in a kid, I'll just go on their social media because I enjoy seeing what they like and what they're doing and um, it, it's not the be all and end all and I respect people that aren't on social media too. It's it's not it's not overly important. No. But like, you know, it's like all of us, right? It's like fun to see, like, oh, she likes to skydive, or she's, you know what I mean? She does other sports, but I'm not, you know, I don't deep dive that much. And, you know, I have kids that aren't on social media, and I respect that, because it's a time suck, as we all know. Um, outside of soccer, what do you think are like some good things to like, and then like, keep up, like, yeah, I, this is what I would say to you, and this was advice that the admissions person at Princeton gave to me that do a couple things really well. Like don't get on to 10 clubs just so you can be on 10 clubs. Find one club that you're passionate about where you have a leadership role, right? Or if you have a second sport or you know, you've mastered a language or something, you know what I mean? But don't, don't like somebody who's in 50 million clubs, like that doesn't really resonate, you know? So I think like deep diving into something that's, that you really care about. It could be community service, it could be art, it could be another sport, like I said, a hobby, whatever. Um, like besides like when you're actually like all together playing, like what do you look for like when you're like not playing on the side? Like, do you look for anything? I do. I love um I love the intangible parts of players. I love to watch how they compete, how they talk to their teammates, how they talk to their coaches, when they make a mistake, do they put their head down, are they able to come back? When they're losing, how do they act? Um, and I think, like, as you get to the higher levels, like, those are things that separate you. You know, how passionate about the game are you? You know, those things are really important. And your parents' behavior is really important. Like, I will be honest, like, I'm not taking kids because of their parents, either because they're screaming or, you know, derogatory. You know, so your parents are, are part of the process too, because when we recruit you, we recruit your whole family. You know, you guys should, you'll have your family at tailgates, and you know, there's a lot of friendships that form on the parent side of things. So that's a great question. So I would say those intangible things. Um, I love to see a player's IQ and 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 what, how good of a decision maker they are under stress. Um, you know, obviously every coach loves athletes, right? I mean, we all do, but I think for me, like your soccer brain is really important. Um, how your decisions lead to, to positive plays. Um, you know, and I always think, like, depending on where you are on the field, like if you're a midfielder, you should be, you know, keeping possession, you should be able to switch the point, you should be able to uh, transition and play both ways. Um, you know, you should be able to connect the lines, right? If you're up front, you have to be scoring goals, right? That's, that's your job. If you're wide, you're assisting maybe goals, if you're playing as a winger, 
Um, center backs in, the, in this day and age have to be able to set play. You have to be able to get your head up and find a pass, right? Not just kick it away. Um, wide backs, um, you have to be good in 1v1 situations. You have to be able to attack out of the back. Um, good pace to get up and down. And so, you know, I think just having proficiency in your position is important too. What else? Is it better to use like a recruiting app or like like individual emails to like reach out to coaches? I mean, I think you know it's funny because over the years I I hated recruiting services because I think you can do a lot of that work yourself and it probably means more. Um, one of my friends is with NCSA and I I use some of her stuff just because I trust her, you know. Um, but I think the money that you pay for those would be you know unless you're in an area. Like geographically, where people aren't going to see you or stuff like that, that you can do that work for yourself. You know, it's a good question, though. I mean, nobody's going to like use it against you if you use one, but at the same time, most of the stuff that they do, um, you can do yourself. Um, should you and if you should, when can like we have our coaches like start talking to you? Whenever they want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're allowed to, it's tricky because we're, we're allowed to say we're, we're interested in her generally, but we're not really allowed to have, I mean, the recruiting conversations really have to be between player and coach, you know, but there's a, you know, we, we generally know, and, and I know a lot of club coaches here, so we talk. Um, when you're talking about club coaches, how important are they in, like, the recruiting process, talking to you and... I mean, they're the ones that see you the most, right? So I'd love to have their feedback, you know, I think especially with character and um, do you show up for practice, you know, do you, you know, so, so I like it for that. And I'll use college counselors, I'll use high school coaches, like it just depends on the kid. But I think I've used all those people, for sure. Is film important? Like, would you rather go see a player in person or is like film uh, helpful thing if you can't get out to see them? I mean, I I made one bad decision on a kid on film and I, so I'm like almost 100% I have to see you. But I like the I like the film just so I can, like before a tournament or if a kid wrote me, I can just take a look and see, okay, is she in the ballpark? But I would never make a decision on a film. So. But some coaches will, and it just depends. I think like one important thing on film that like coaches also look for is like it gives more of like a kind of like aerial view of like what you're doing off the ball, which may not be as easy to see like when you're like watching a spot on the field. But during film, it's like That's okay true. if you're like are you just standing around, or are you still trying to like find space on the field to make it like a run to like a diagonal ball, like kind of like things like that. So like that might be helpful too to see like what you're doing off the ball from like a like larger standpoint. Oh, this is just kind of a weird question, but like, okay. um, I've heard a lot of people like switch positions like after they are in college. Does that happen a lot? With, it like, does. Players? Yeah. It does just because you know like, you see a lot of forwards become outside backs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does, and, and everyone sees something different, right? Mm -hmm. our, our sport is, is so subjective in that yeah. way, and you, you, when you're looking at a kid, you're like, oh, maybe she'll be able to play that. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I think it's pretty common. Okay. Um, to like 
add on to that question. How does that come about? Is it like after you join the team or like when you say you're interested? Like, I think you, I could see playing. I mean, I've had dreams and I'll wake up and I'll be like, let's just hire her. I think she can do it. It's who I, I don't know that I, or somebody gets hurt. I'm like, okay, babe, you can play here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think, there's not a ton of it that's, you know, rehearsed. You know, I, I might in the recruiting process say I could see you playing here. But you never know because there's so many pieces to that puzzle and you're coming into a program where there's already players, so it's like a big puzzle trying to figure all that out. But it's part of the fun. It's a good question. Are we done? Yeah. Okay. I'll take two more questions. So for the recruitment videos, like how long is too long? Like how long should the videos be? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, six to eight minutes. I don't know. But I also like whole games, you know? Um, Again, every coach is different. Like you might get a college coach that says, "I need a full game." You know, for me, I'll watch some highlights and then I'll go see you play, or I'll watch three or four minutes. I'll go see you play. You know, I have really bad ADD. It's really hard for me to sit and watch film like a whole game. I'm not gonna lie, unless I'm watching like Man City or something. You know, um, or my national team or something like that. Um, so I generally like to go see players. I found like kind of a weird question, but like, when you're emailing college coaches, like you don't want to like email any group, right? You want to do individuals. Do individuals. Find something out about the program, like oh, great win against Rutgers, you know? Yeah, big question. What else? Um, after camps like this, um, like what is the recruiting process like from now, like for like juniors and like seniors? Yeah, I'll talk to that group, the whole group when we get out there. Why don't I address that out there? Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com slash matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on matchplayrecruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.